It is time once again for another episode of Godfather. Cliff Notes for the Mind and Soul. I'm Greg Heineke, a middle school principal, a lifelong learner, and an educational psychology apprentice. And I'm Keith Long, a Lutheran pastor, learner, and author of Doubting Faithfully, Confessions of a Skeptical Pastor. This is Season 4, Episode 2. Welcome to the Godfather Podcast. Yes. Today, I think it would be good, good to, uh, to, to talk about how wrong we are, Greg. Mm. Um, how wrong... <laughs> how wrong we are as a human species, uh, especially as Americans and in this divided polarized culture that we live in, you know, let's, uh, let's dig back into the brain. Uh, listeners, if you recall our, our season premiere season four, we, uh, we talked about habits again, uh, a familiar favorite topic for Greg and I, uh, ways that we can improve ourselves beginning with the way that we think. And so this season, we decided uh, to group some episodes together. We'll do two episodes on the same theme every month. Might not be from the same podcast, but it'll be on the same the same theme. And I think our last one was from Hidden Brain, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, is that correct, Greg? Do you recall the our very first yeah, one? Habits. It, it was from the happiness. Oh, happiness lab. lab. Okay, so we're from. not. Yep. So we're we're same theme. Now we're doing different uh, different podcasts this month. Correct. Uh, and uh, and while that one was more on again uh, ways that we can uh, we can think about uh, that uh, that inner critic, dumping your inner critic, the way that you. Uh, listen to that that voice inside your head. This one is is similar in the sense of that introspection piece, but a little different. So we'll we'll talk about that, and then we're gonna and kind of have some fun with different themes throughout throughout this season. And uh, we're gonna group things and kind of do things in four because we're nerds about that. So every title will be a four word uh, title. Yes, we're gonna do loving it. Four questions for the hot seat person yep. and uh, that kind of thing. So, yep. So let's get into that because that is um, a staple. Our hot seat. It's the way we kick off our episodes. Um, we try to vary it a little bit, and and this season with that idea of season four, four questions, and so going to ask you four questions up to four let's this is the way i'd like to approach it um potentially to stump you or in future episodes we'll just we'll flip the the rules on a topic that you know well so we're, we're gonna i'm gonna ask you four questions about robin williams and i'm not gonna try to like stump you right away because you could do just some really random question but let, let's see how much you know about the topic how well you know about robin williams having a little fun at the same time and seeing how far I get into that. So they're going to get progressively harder, but who knows if you, if you're an avid listener, you know that sometimes when I set it up like this and Keith can't get beyond question number one. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens here, but they are, they are at least written to be a little bit more challenging as we get to um, that last question. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So the question number one on our guy, Robin Williams, is who was Robin Williams' best friend? Billy, you know that. Billy Crystal. It is not. It was Christopher Reeve. What? They went to, they went to you. Uh, Keith, you have that whole magazine from uh, I know. Like Time or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. Go to Juilliard. Yeah, it's and, been a while since I read it. Yeah, and he then, you know, Superman had his accident, and he became a quadriplegic, and um, they actually brought they brought him closer. So it was Christopher Reeve. Well, I stumped you, but I'm going to keep what going. What a tragic end for fun. both of those guys. It, don't you think? Ugh. Both great guys. Yeah. All right. So my second question is, what was Robin Williams' most successful movie? He made a whole bunch of movies. What do you think was his most successful? Oh, boy. Uh... I know it's tough. I don't know. Let's say Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm, I love that movie. It was Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, that was my that was my initial thought, but I'm like, well, that's what he won the Oscar for, but was it the it, most it popular? Was, yeah. Well, true. And that I don't have. Um uh, this is Robin Williams from The Insider. Um it, it depends on probably how you're defining success. Well, cuz I'm right? thinking it's... box office. There's no way Goodwill Hunting beat Mrs. Doubtfire or yeah, Now I now I have to go find that out. Yeah. But this, so this, this was at least to the um, level of it, it did get him finally his Oscar. It was his fourth nomination. He, he won Best Supporting Actor. Um, so how about some random ones? How tall is Robin Williams? Do you know that? Oh, I'm going to say he was on the shorter side. I'm going to say he was, he was five, nine, five, eight, Ooh, five, five, seven. Five, seven. He was huh. he was short. He was not a tall fellow. Yeah. All right. And then lastly, question number four. Um, and if you get this, I'm really going to be floored after you didn't get the others. Oh, great. Um, what was Robin Williams' favorite food? Well, do you know his favorite food? Favorite food? I, I'm actually kind yeah. of disturbed that you know this. Um, um, I had to look it up. I didn't know okay. it. Okay. Can you give me like a ballpark? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty broad. Um, so it, it's, a, it's, it's considered kind of a, a, a whole, I would consider it like a meal. It, it's not like a side. It's, it's a main, a main dish, an entree. Let's say it like that. Um, and it's identified as being a, one of among many favorite dishes. It was his, um, one of his top spaghetti and meatballs. I like that. It was a pot roast. Pot roast. Okay. <laughs> pot roast. Robin Williams like pot roast. Huh. Apparently, okay. apparently, apparently. Well, I guess right, I should so, have. If I had known we were doing Robin Williams, I would have just skimmed that magazine again. But maybe I I uh, don't recall, and I read that because I really do uh, love almost everything about him, and I don't remember that ever coming out yeah. anything about a pot roast. I think maybe they made it up, but anyway, some trivia here to just for fun to get us started. Good stuff. So, how about? Another segment that we started last season. Yeah, I don't think we um, did it too many times, but it, it's kind of one. Again, we're nerds, and we like to come up with these different segments. And we we did pretty religiously the the good old days and reminiscing yes, about the, the past. And then I kind of started thinking one day, reading Popular Mechanics magazine about, well, what about the future, and is there a way to reminisce the future? And so that's where this segment, Future's Past, came from, where obviously yep. we can't look into the future, but we sort of can start to see the trends now to be like, well, in five to ten years, this thing that we have now is going to be obsolete, and we're mm -hmm. going to be, in five to ten years, reminiscing 
hey, remember when this happened or when we had these things? So that's uh, that's the segment for you. Yes. And and probably on a, uh, an enjoyable or a technical, a technology that happens quickly you know those are some of the topics but you think i think about it the easy example that came to mind as you were explaining it was like the rotary phone i don't yeah. think anyone anyone is really missing that but i think we all have of a certain age we have memories of of that or the ability to you get the really long cord and you could stretch it out of whatever room <laughs> yeah. so you could have some privacy wonky and you can't ever <laughs> yes. get it back the same way again yes yes so that's kind of the concept. So what are you thinking? What, what's, what's your future's past? I, I, I don't, I mean, uh, do you have one? Sure. I have one only because of um, some recent medical visits. And I guess I'd, I'd phrase it in the context of, I, I'm also a former um, writing English teacher. And I would say just actually writing things down, at least to the extent of what has currently been happening in the future. I don't think we're going to write, I don't think we're going to write anything, maybe a, a note here or there for yourself, but you're, you put it in a text, you type it in an email. Uh, I go to uh, the doctor or the dentist and they're not, they're not writing anything down anymore. They open mm. up, um, you know, a, a, a kind of a, either a laptop or at least a keyboard that's connected to something larger. And, and they are, typing away and gathering all that data and i think that will be actually something really valuable i remember all the way back when i had to go to the orthodontist and i was just amazed in my early teens at you know think of um like a manila kind of folder or Mm -hmm. bigger envelope Mm -hmm. type things right how small that is and there were there had to be thousands of those things because they just keep them around year after year after year and they had them color-coded presumably breaking up the alphabet but it just took up a whole wall yeah and all that data right so now thinking as i've gone to the doctor and the dentist and whatnot to have your medical history truly and in you know a few tabs well it kind of makes me need to write anything anymore it makes me wonder and especially with the pandemic if what what you're really saying is that pens will be a thing of the past (laughs) yeah you know especially in the sense of like you know, everybody touches them. And, you know, like I went to the bank the other day, I had to sign something and like she broke out a brand new, never been opened in a prepackaged plastic bag pen for me. Like just again to like make sure that she's not passing something on to me. And, you know, we've got sign in sheets at church and like, you can't have the common pen sitting there anymore because who knows how many people have been touching that pen. Very true. So I think that... pens could be on the way out, and, and which makes me sad because then, you know, then you're going to just really treasure a solid pen that's just yours, you know, that <laughs> yes. you never let go of. Because I journal by pen, and yeah. and I'll never like I, I you know I write books by typing out you know things, but like the journaling is I, I have to do it by hand handwriting. Like yes. there's something spiritual about that for me. And, uh, and so I think the pens, yeah, I could see, you know, mass production of pens going, going out. Uh, and, and the one that came to mind for me is keys and thinking that keys are also kind of becoming obsolete. You know, when you think of cars nowadays, they don't make them with keys anymore. You just push the button, uh, you keep the fob or whatever, 
in your pocket. And, you know, some of those are, are actual physical keys and some of them aren't, they're just like a fob, you know? Yep. Um, and then you, I just think of like the days of like, you carry your keys around, you land on your keys, you know, like, and how painful that is, or like the house keys <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure, I mean, we still have keys, but you know, we mostly just go into our garage or whatever, yep. like, you know, hardly ever like go up to the door and like put the key in the door and enter the house that way. Like yeah, most don't, people don't, don't do that anymore. So no, don't need that know, at all. So eventually they're just going to stop making them and they're going to come up with like the, well, you've already seen them, the, the door pad, the buttons you put in the yep. number code or, um, you know, who knows? I mean, we, you know, you see it in sci-fi movies all the time. Like, Oh, it takes your face recognition or your eyes yes, or yes. your voice, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to get into, to get into places or put your handprint up there. Like, uh, so I think I think that could be those those little items, keys, pens could be gone and, and easily are, in ten years. How how, how yeah, ten years? You think? I mean, quickly is that turnaround pretty quick? I, I mean, yeah, I think I keys might be a little longer because you know the the homes, you know, it'll be harder to. I think some of these older homes that are are you know in, yeah that that you can't really take away, but pens, I think I think pens could be could could be pretty soon you know yeah, um, I'm, I'm all for both of them i mean you, you got somewhere in your house in a drawer these keys that you don't even know what they unlock or lock so i, I won't miss that that happening uh, then true you know you and keeping your one pen or a few i mean i, I yeah. do like like you said the journaling there's there's something totally different about writing something down but in the kind of the mass way of doing things i i think I those are really good choices. So it's time for our fodder. It's time to get into um, what was called the double standard is this hidden brain episode that was not too long ago, um, January 4th of this year. And talking about, you know, the bias, the intention, the things that, um, you know, everybody's wrong, Keith, right? Everybody's wrong. <laughs> so. Man. it's it's kind of it was it's just struck me that how powerful these thoughts were that they talk about it's a she's a psychologist emily pro pronin i think from princeton Uh, i think it was emily yeah prolin prolin okay so she's she's talking about and giving us um some background information on you know why people do what they do what what's your just overview your initial reaction as you were listening to this because i was i was fascinated i i just think it it's very timely you know given given how uh events of the last four years have played out as a society as a as a country you know especially just you know what is truth and and you know trying to separate fact from fiction and all that and and just just these deep divides that have happened where 
you know, now we refer to people who support a particular, you know, elected official, like they have their own group now, you mm. know, like, yes. and, and how that, and, and how I, I hear that being discussed in our culture today, where it's like, oh, well, this person voted for so-and-so or, you know, and it, and it's like, they've now got their own category for the way that they supposedly think. Yeah. You know, uh, and then, of course, there's the person who's placing them in the category and then they also have their own category. Right. And and so hearing hearing kind of these yardsticks that we use to measure who's doing what was really it, it was thought provoking. And and, you know, it obviously was, uh, I, I think, you know, convicting in, in the sense of like, oh, yeah, I totally do that. And or I've seen <laughs> that and I wonder what you know, why, why do we do that? And, and now I, I have a much better idea. And, and some of this has come about from, you know, just studying up on, on the racism stuff and the, you know, reading yep. Yep. Uh, white fragility was really eye opening in that regard of, of how, like, you know, you, you may not intend to be racist, but it's happening in mm. your body and you don't even realize it. Yes. And, and so that's that's what this you know opened up again. I, I think so. I think again, it's the timing. Timing is is truly it's a cliche, but it is everything. And to pull all the the things that have happened um, in the world in our country, in particular, in the past less than a year, a little over a year, um, has has culminated in um, these. I'm hoping, and at least for me personally, is that it is an awakening. It's it's looking back and, and going, wow, how how did that happen for me, and why does that happen? And that's why I thought this was this was fantastic because she starts off with talking about you know you're always judging and you're always accusing the other side, and so mm -hmm. when the politics are the way that they are, um, at least currently, it's going to continuously happen because. We're, we're trying to win. We're competitive. And we don't see that in the other person. You know, the, the villain does not see him or herself as a bad guy or gal. Right. You know, and they, there's this very not. specific psychological reason for that. And that, I think, is, is what I hope we can unpack a little bit because it's, it's a really good thing. You know, like in my mind, like it's a really good thing to think critically and to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. pause and, and think before you speak and to be really mindful of, of who you are and where you've come from and how you've come to certain conclusions. But here's the thing that's not good enough right. because there's things that you don't see. And even the most self-aware people out there are missing things. Yes, completely that. Oh, all right. I'm not going to get out of ourselves, though. I'm going to I'm going to back up. No, that, yeah. that is that yeah. is so good, Keith. Um, so she she taught she started with. So we're accusing one another. Right. And then the other part that that stuck out for me at the beginning here was judging others differently than yourself because you're using a different yardstick. So mm -hmm. she sets this all up because we look at people. We have to. We're we're looking at what they do, what they say, what they do. We don't know their intentions. And, and so we judge them by that constantly, all the time for ourselves. We, we know our intentions uh, and we're like, oh, 
I'm I'm going to cut this person off because I'm in a hurry and I really need to get there. I mean, I'm, I'm running late or whatever it was versus the other person is just rude and inconsiderate yeah. um, and other things that come along with it. Um, and so we are constantly it, it's just almost unavoidable that we're we're doing that judgment and we see it all the time in, in your daily life. And then you turn on social media, whether again, it, it literally is turning on the television or a computer or whatnot, it's, it's marketing, it's affiliations. I mean, it's, it's being motivated and we're motivated our intentions based upon, again, that, that we have rationale behind it, reasoning, we're, we have right. to do it. And, and we don't cut, you kind of were referencing it there, we don't cut the other guy or gal any slack. Like, how rude, how inconsiderate. Right. And, and we're using the, the information that's available yes. to us. So, so when we're, you know, the one that's doing something, we obviously have a whole lot more information available because, you know, we've got our intentions, we've got our thoughts, we've got, you know, the background from the day, what happened, what put us in those circumstances. We have all of that. And so, you know, in one regard, it's, it's, it's a really good thing because we're able to, give ourselves some grace and know that we're not perfect and da, 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 da. But then when somebody else is doing it, we don't have access to any of that. All we have is whatever their action was. And then we make the judgment based on the action to any, whatever was going on for us. So if we're in a really great mood, we might be really gracious to that person based on their action. If we're not in a great mood and they do something like we're going to be pretty foul about it, you know? Uh, and, and, and not even taking in anything that they might have going on in their lives. And every little person is a little pod that's doing the same thing. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's, it's, she, she phrased it as, um, it's overvaluing ourselves because again, you're going to cut yourself a break where you're undervaluing the other person. You just, you you said it with, I might be, I, I might be tired um, something happened at work. Who knows? It doesn't really even matter. But, you know, I'm I'm in a certain mood and then something happens. and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I right. then start to attribute um, and, and connect these negative things to different groups. And, uh, and unfortunately, right. I'm now building I'm building experiences that I'm going to often subconsciously are just going to go bam right away. It's, it, it just immediately happens when the next time I get cut off, the next time something occurs, I already take that previous experience and those thoughts and now attribute to this one. And the fuse gets even shorter. And that is, that's right. a big concern. And it probably, again, is where we are at. It, it's still somewhat of a generalization, but it's where we are as, as a society right now is we're not getting along. We're with assuming the worst. Yes. We're assuming the worst out of people. And, and it's, and we're again, overvaluing or, or lifting ourselves up on a pedestal that maybe, you know, maybe it's deserved. And most times it's probably not. I, I mean, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but you know, they did the little clip from the comedian, George Carlin. Yep, love it. And, and he, and he does this bit where he's just like, have you ever, you know, noticed that anyone who's driving slower than you is an idiot? Uh, and, and anyone that, you know, zips by faster than you, then they're a maniac. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But you're the Goldilocks, you know, you're just right. Like you're the right one. And, (laughs) and it, and that's, I think that's kind of where we're at is uh, and driving is a perfect example. I think of, of these, these biases is that, 
Yeah. I mean, it's just, you, you can't, you know, but we have no idea why that person driving by super fast. I mean, maybe there's a medical emergency, you know, maybe, you know, right. like, you have no idea, you know, and then, and then you find yourself making these judgments based on the kind of car they're yes. driving. And, or if you happen to see them, you do some ageism or sexism or, you know, racism, like it's just, you know, all of these things are making these snap decisions based on the information you have in front of you, which is usually just physical attributions and, and you don't have anything else. And yet somehow we have let ourselves off the hook that that's okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, The concern becomes that. So, all right, that's like part one or phase one, everything right there, but then shifting into phase two or part two, the concern lies in the fact that I am not going to start fresh the next time. Instead, I'm building upon that. So when um, I, I had a bad experience with someone at work, uh, I'm not going, oh, they had they had a bad experience right. or, you know, something was happening at home and we're going to now start fresh. Nope. It's like, ah, oh, I can't work with that person. Well, and sometimes it's stated yeah. out loud, you know, or at least mm-hmm. the, their, their behaviors. I, I like I physically just turn away. I roll my eyes, whatever. I can't be in that group with that person. Oh my goodness. It, 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 it builds compound is exactly right. And that's oh, where we're on totally a, a total downslide because in order to build that back up, it takes twice, three, four times the effort to get where you needed to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I being an educator, I think that was, that's where I was um, really struck when she started to talk about um, teaching others and about it. So it's this awareness we, we all know about that, right? I mean, that's the kind of the story of the alcoholic and the help will come when you recognize that you're an alcoholic and go get help, get into treatment, you know, go through a program or whatnot. Well, in this context, it was talking about what well, we could teach them, right? We could, we could help them by bringing forth this information so they would be aware, right? Mm. Well, mm. I'm, and I've put almost all my eggs in that basket. And she's like, mm, probably not. What what they found was that when, because you still judge yourself differently than the than others, and so when you taught other people, it, she said it just allowed um, the situation to have the language to be able to be used against those other individuals. It, it almost like backfired. Right. It wasn't going to be helpful, yep. right? Because you again, it's. It's you're not you're not seeing all the information that you think you have access to when you're doing introspection. Now, I'm a very introspective person and I am constantly thinking about things and working things out in my brain, you know, almost ad nauseum, you know, overthinking, overanalyzing. And I and I feel I have really strong self-awareness, like it's something I almost I I pride myself on in, in that sense of like. I'm not, you know, like if something happens, like usually it doesn't take me very long at all to be like, this is why that happened. You know, like I'm thinking about it so much. And, and, and she talks about this. There is an introspection illusion uh, that, that uh, we have, we, although we have access to our introspection that we have some illusions of what that can do for us. So we, we uh, there's, you're not seeing everything that, you think you mm-hmm. are. So it's like you, you know, like, and really, I would say, a really introspective person 
you know, they see down a couple of layers of, you know, some of that psychology that's going on in your mind and, and, you know, you're, you're maybe, you know, knowing, you know, your circumstances that put you in that situation, but there's things that are so much deeper than that, that are happening subconsciously that have been put there and have been compounded over the years so that it is now to the point where it is automatic. The way that you choose things is happening automatically so quickly that there's no way that you're even thinking about Mm -hmm. them. And that's the, that's the layer where these biases are coming from. And so that's why you can't teach it because, you know, the, when you're learning something, you're thinking about it and you're able to be like, Oh, I can, you know, grab this thing and I can, okay, get it. And I'm going to file it away now. Like, but that teaching's not getting down low enough yes. to 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 start to reshape those those unseen things. And that's where really our only hope is just recognizing, oh, I I have the I have this. Like I have this this automatic bias that I'm not really sure where it came from, but I know it's there. Mm-hmm. And, and it, and that's where that whole, like, and, and I, and I'm wrong. Like I, I'm going to be wrong about some things and it's going to happen automatically. And it's not going to be something that I intended at all. Uh, you know, it just, it's, it's been there with me for a long time. And so that's where it's like, it's like, you're not lying. You just assumed incorrectly mm-hmm. because you just didn't see it. Right. You know, and that's where that you still got to have that grace for yourself, but don't, don't overvalue just because you, you think that, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not racist. I'm not, you know, I'm not being ignorant Mm -hmm. or, well, (laughs) you you might most likely are, and you, you, you didn't intend it necessarily now, but at some point in your history, this thing, this train just started moving and, and you didn't even realize it was right. Moving. And she, she has numerous studies to, to try and support that. One that I thought stood out was when she was talking about healthcare, and she was talking about um, having the plan out there and having the different sides. Cause this, we've had, we've had healthcare work. We'll, we'll call it like that um, over the a number of years. And so you've had Republican Republicans and Democrats who have had their their plans and how to approach it and such. Well, they added the layer at, over the course of um, the most recent day or so because you now had an African American president um, added into it. So you had kind of this racial level and whatnot. And so the, she went out and asked people, you know, would you like this plan? Is it is it going to work out? What what would you do? So it they they started with the same plan. But when it was presented as someone, if, if it was connected to the African-American versus the white or connected to the Republican Party versus the Democratic Party, it, it's the same plan. They got different responses because, again, you, you don't see that within yourself. You immediately went into, oh, well, if you're a Democrat, you're like, OK, yep, I love it. It's all mm-hmm. good. Or are you a Republican? Nope, I don't like that. Or whichever, whichever way you want to slice that up. And I just thought, again, it, it supports exactly what you're saying. I can't see that within myself. The best I can do is to try mm-hmm. and pause. And that's where the teaching maybe could come in. You, you can you you can you can train yourself. You know, there, there is some hope here, if you will. She says that at, at the end, she's like, we, we can be taught, but it, it, it needs to be taught about pausing and recognizing that right. um, 
stop and think that what are the other individual's intentions? You know, what is the heart of the matter is the way that I kind of like to describe that is because what do we what do we know about the situation before jumping to that that judgment or that conclusion? And if you're really serious about improving this part of your life, it, it is the ability and the humility to ask for help understanding your mind. And, you know, she talked about how, like, you don't have a problem going to a heart yes. doctor and asking them to tell you about your heart. It's your heart. So, you know, if, if you go on the, the mentality of like, well, it's my heart, like you're, you know, doctor, I'm sorry, but you don't know my heart. Well, no, like we live in an expert you know, a society where, well, okay, this person's gone to school for lots of years. They actually do know my heart better based mm -hmm. on their studies and their expertise. But somehow when it comes to our minds and the way we think, not everybody's the same, you know, like you, you know, this is my mind. You don't know how I think you don't know me, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it, again, it's that the point of education about your mind, it's, it's getting you to understand how it works and what are those blind spots that again, you're just not aware mm -hmm. of. And, and, and I think that's where, that's where we can, we can actually improve with education is, is understanding how, how that blind spot formed and, and just knowing mm -hmm. it's there, you know, I mean, it's just knowing it's there. And, and when you're driving, like you just got to know that you actually have a blind yeah. spot. You know, uh, I mean, I, I think of, you know, just how many times I, I just would just, you know, I don't want to look beyond, I wouldn't look over my shoulder because I've made assumptions, yeah. you know, and, and I think we just, we're in the point now where I don't, I think people are, are burned out, but it's, how can we expect this to get better if we're not willing to at least recognize that, oh, I I don't have all the details here, even though I'm thinking about, you know, who I am. I don't, I don't know everything there is to know. And I'm, I'm going to, because I just can't yeah. see it. And you started the fodder section. You're kind of talking about um, action, you know, and, and this is going to, this is going to involve effort. The self-awareness is going to involve effort, knowing all these, these details that we've talked about, knowing that it's there, trying to be, trying to have hit pause, but I, I, we've been using the driving um, example, and I think it's a fantastic one because of the blind spots, because you, you don't know what to avoid. That's what makes them blind spots. But what you can do is to, to look for them. What you can do is get going into rush hour traffic a little earlier. Um, put on a Godfather podcast and just slow yourself down and, and, and listen. And then the people are cutting in front of you because you have five car lengths and it's not a big deal, you know, <laughs> because you're enjoying the podcast and you're not in a hurry when, when you have that narrow window of time, when you're not focused on the weather or needing to be focused on the weather, all those things don't allow you to be able to have that um, awareness um, and, and we, we can get into trouble. That's the unfortunate thing where we're at it at the moment. What did you think? I know we're wrapping up here, but, uh, you know, like the whole, like we are an interview mm. culture and how, how does this then affect the fact that, you know, we are so obsessed with that interview. So, so, but if we don't know ourselves as well as we think we do, you know, wouldn't we be better off just having the employer ask 
you know, for the reference. I mean, obviously, we always already, already do the references, but we do the references after yeah, the interview, yeah. right? So, I don't know. I think it's just a, it's an interesting way of thinking about how we go about getting, you know, these different positions or whatever. Like, we would probably be better off, like, just go and watch that person mm-hmm. in action or ask someone else who has seen them in action because you get in an interview and based on the question, like you don't <laughs> even know everything you think you sh- you know, know about yourself, you know? So like, true. So true. It, it made me actually a little frustrated while it gave me some, some language for, for what I'm thinking or why, why pieces um, continue to happen uh, because you, you don't know yourself. It, it's a performance um, you're, you're trying to say the right thing, you know, and every company is, is trying to figure out the best way to really get to know that individual. And now it, it seems that this, the, in order to do that, it, it's numerous interviews. So with different groups, so they all get their perspectives and all the questions are out there and, and, and whatnot, rather than don't even take that time, go and talk to all the other people or what would really be great. And I don't know if this is not like breaking some HR rules or what have you, but because letters of recommendation are letters of recommendation. They're obviously going to be positive. You know, you need to open that up mm-hmm. and hear mm-hmm. um, from lots of different people, find quote the enemy and, and find out what are those negative things. Um, go watch the person do, do that job. I, again, those are, fantastic ways of, of doing it better and doing it right. And the frustration came for me when we know this, but we don't do it. And, and we do that. Uh, right. We do that an awful lot. Well, and, and how many times have you, you know, interviewed someone who nailed the interview and then they actually get in the job and they're just like a totally different person yes. and vice versa. Like, you know, and, and how many people have we missed that just they don't interview because they're just they're not as well you know uh, and voicing mm-hmm. things but actually doing the thing like they're amazing yep. and and i just feel like i i uh you know i i don't know like i you know because you, you just don't know if if when that's happened but that's again where you can teach introspection to a point and now you know i'm feeling kind of like overwhelmed where i'm like gosh you know like i I felt like I was really good at being introspective yeah. and now like now I just don't know. I don't know how, how much well, I don't know. Yes, and, yes. and and that's so circling <laughs> all the way back to the beginning because we're talking about again when you talk about I, obviously that's you and and I is, is about me, but we didn't even get into the layering of so I am interviewing you. You can't see yourself, you're putting on a performance, but how am I even hearing that? Because I'm all I'm it's being mm. filtered through my bias, right? right? Like yeah. now it's coming to me and, yep. and whether they're explicit or implicit. And so how do I even know what I'm hearing from you or what am I thinking about right. how tall you are, your skin color, your experience, like all those things. It just it gets to be so messy. Um, so and you really do have to rely on your intentions and in, in the moment. And I, and I think that that's okay. And I, I the way she kind of ended it, you know, he asked her like, is it possible for our nation to heal and come back together again? And, and her response was, you know, start by not assuming that others intentions are different than your own and trying to find ways that these positive intentions that we share. And obviously we're going to go about them differently based on everything we've just talked about in the fact of, you know, our, you know, different biases and automatic, you know, things that have happened, some known to us, some most unknown to us. 
you know, but it, just getting after the fact that, okay, uh, you know, giving a little bit of benefit of the doubt where there's a differing opinion so that you give yourself more time to recognize your own biases in that moment, recognize theirs and not using it in a, in a way to like, you know, be vindictive or be, you know, like condemning, uh, it's just like, uh, it, you know, it's a mess. I mean, it's a total mess, right? Like, we, you know, there, there is really no perfect way to, to be human. But I think the more we're willing to accept that there's some things that I don't see in myself right now that, but I intend to do the right thing here. But I know that there's some things that are working against those intentions on, you know, that I just don't, I don't see and I'm not able to, to isolate uh, and then doing that with your neighbor and being like, and there's some things that my neighbor is doing right now that they're not aware of and, and, and they might have, and maybe their intentions are pure, but maybe they are. And they're just going about it in a way that, that they don't even understand why they're going about it. Uh, and, and then working from that kind of standpoint, rather than I'm right, you're wrong. You know, you're a maniac, you're an idiot, and I'm in the perfect place here. Uh, you know, it's just, it's most likely not that cut and dry. Well, that's been another episode of Godfather. Thanks for listening and join us next time when we will be talking about humor. Godfather artwork is designed by Chuck Bennis. Our theme music is from The Godfather, composed by Nita Roda, with our transition music from Churches. If you like what you hear, subscribe or offer your five-star rating and review, which helps us reach more listeners. Thanks for your interest and your support. Fodderheads out. Heads out.